Hello and welcome to the new July workshop. Um, we are transitioning from masterclass, lots of slides and information to more of a topic and possible action steps that you can take right away so that we can see changes happen even faster within Love Your Gut Club. So today, our, our, or this month, we're focusing on metabolism and things that we can do to kind of check in and see how our metabolism is working. Also looking at insulin resistance and some of the tools that we can use, um, some tools even covered by insurance are able to get through different health plans that you can even use for a few weeks to, to check your insulin levels and check your blood sugar. And so I think this is going to be really, really fun. And we're going to try to keep this to about a 20 minute presentation. And then we can meet back inside the community and talk about various things, ask any questions that you might have, share if you're going to pick up one of these devices, and I'm happy to guide you even more with that. So when we talk about metabolism, let's first go into metabolism changing as we age. And I was reading this study uh, at Duke University, and it was, it was very eye-opening as to what they really found because there's lots of physiological changes that come with us growing up and getting older. But what's weird is that they found that the timing of our metabolic life stages doesn't tend to match the typical milestones that we once thought. So this researcher, uh, physician, took... Um, him and the international team of scientists, they analyzed average calories burned by more than 6,600 people ranging from one week old to age 95 as they went around their lives, uh, you know, their daily life activities. And they did this in 29 countries worldwide. And this is a very large, large scale study that is, um, super helpful for us to see uh, calories that you need in order to stay alive, but then calories that are taken to do like how the body uses our vital functions, such as breathing, digesting, pumping blood. And when we do other things like washing dishes, washing the dog or, you know, walking the dog, washing dishes, breaking a sweat at the gym, or even just thinking and working, how that uh, burns calories. So what they found was that after pooling and analyzing all these en energy expenditures, some people think that when they're in their teens and 20s, that's when our calorie burning potential is at our peak. Um, oh, if I could only be the weight I was in high school or, oh, if I could just eat anything and not gain a pound. But researchers found that pound for pound infants, so when we're, we're just babies, we have the highest metabolic rates of all, and that our energy needs shot up during the first 12 months of our lives. And then at one years old, we uh, burn 50% faster than our body size for that of an adult. And it's not just because, you know, it's our first year of life, but 
infants are usually, uh, you know, busy tripling their birth weight and growing, of course, is a big, big calorie burn. After this initial surge in infancy, the data was showing that metabolism slows about 3% each year until we reach our 20s, and then it levels off to a new normal. So despite the teenage years being growth spurts, they didn't really see an uptick in the need for more food or, you know, a need to uh, have a lot of extra calories. Midlife was another place where researchers got really surprised because a lot of us have been told, I know I've heard it throughout time, oh, it's all downhill after your 30s and then the weight comes on and, and all of that. But several factors explain the thickening of waistlines that can emerge as we're in our uh, prime working years. And uh, this study, as well as other studies, have shown that metabolism is not the reason why this waistline is getting thicker. What they discovered was people in the middle decades, so 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, had the most stable energy expenditures. Even during pregnancy, a woman's calorie needs were much more or less than expected um, given uh, you know, the amount that she would have to put on for, for a baby. And they don't really, the metabolism itself doesn't really start to decline until after age 60. So that's six zero, age 60. And then the slowdown is actually very gradual, 0.7% a year. So a person in their 90s needs 26% fewer calories a day than someone in, you know, in midlife. But because the loss of muscle mass as we get older can be part, partially to blame, that can also um, have to do with the, the cells slowing down. And I think for a, for a long time, we've believed that, uh, you know, energy expenditure and uh, the calories we need, it should just be less and less and less and less as we age. But this is not, this is not really true. And the research is telling us that we haven't really appreciated the amount of work our cells are doing throughout all of these decades. And that, um, you know, maybe those of us in this program may be hovering more around whether it's 30s, 40s, or 50s, or even, even 60s, we're not looking at a huge metabolic crash. And this is where we can begin to fine tune our metabolism and work with um, some of our other habits to, to contradict this, this old adage of, oh, I'm getting older, so that means I'm getting heavier, I have a thicker waistline, it's inevitable, I'm just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and that's just not the case. So what I want to challenge you to do this month and into August is to consider, you know, what other habits and things that, that you're doing that can be contributing to this, um, maybe like an increase or, or a lack of a decrease in the waistline. Um, you know, it's easy to blame hormones and metabolism, but does it come down to certain foods we're eating, uh, which I'm segueing into here, how much insulin resistance has to do with our overall body composition and what the body does over time? Because insulin has everything to do with our regulating our blood sugars. And 
there are several genetic and lifestyle factors that contribute to developing insulin resistance. And the difference between insulin resistance and full-on diabetes is that our cells in the muscles, fat and liver, don't respond as they should to insulin as they once did. And a hormone in our pancreas makes that essential for life and it regulates the blood glucose levels. So insulin resistance can be temporary and it can be chronic and definitely treatable in, in some cases. So under normal circumstances, the body breaks down the food we eat into glucose or sugar, which is our body's main source of energy. The glucose enters the bloodstream which signals the pancreas to release insulin. Then the insulin helps the glucose in your blood to enter your fat and your muscles and your liver. So it can use it for energy or it can store it for later use. And then when the glucose enters your cells and the level in your bloodstream decrease, it signals your pancreas, hey, stop producing that insulin. So this is like a feedback mechanism. But if the, uh, if the insulin is being, uh, you know, if the fat in the liver cells are responding inappropriately to the insulin, meaning they can't take up as much of the glucose to use it, there's just too much in there. So and when you have the increasing blood glu glucose levels, it ends up being a higher concentration of sugar outside of the cells where it needs to be for energy. And the blood sugar levels will stay in a healthy range if we could keep the pancreas in check too. So there's some, there's conditions, several conditions that are connected to type two diabetes and insulin resistance, like obesity, like cardiovascular disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, metabolic syndrome, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and these things can be helped by controlling our blood sugar better. So prediabetes happens when your blood glucose levels are higher than normal, but not high enough to be called a diabetic. And prediabetes can lead to type 2 diabetes, and that is, that's the most common cause of diabetes and actually more of an, an epidemic that we're seeing more and more. Type 1 diabetes is where your immune system attacks and destroys the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas for an unknown reason. We don't, we don't know why. And this happens to um, you know, children. It happens to adults. It can happen at any time. Type 1 diabetes, not exactly the focus that we're doing on this um, kind of action-based workshop here because we're trying to prevent most of us here in love your gut club unless you're a type 1 diabetic um, we are trying to prevent diabetes in general the insulin resistance insulin sensitivity the moving forward into type 2 diabetes the medications for treating that multiple medications and then of course the moving to insulin dependent diabetic who's type two when we're trying to keep that spiral from happening.
when you have your blood work drawn at a primary care, and hopefully if you haven't had your um, primary care doctor, family practice, doctor, PA, nurse practitioner, see you this year, I would recommend a physical to be done, uh, you know, before the fall so that you can make sure like every, at the end of every summer, you're getting your at least once a year, whenever that can be. And if you, if you haven't done it this year, we can start saying, okay, maybe at the end of the summer, I'm going to go in for my physical and I'm going to get my blood work done. And one of those levels is going to be the hemoglobin A1C. And a hemoglobin A1C is, is found in our blood result and below 5.7 is considered normal between 5.7 and 6.4 is considered prediabetes and 6.5 or higher on two separate tests indicates that you actually are now a diabetic. Functional medicine would like to see your hemoglobin A1C closer to a 5.4. So we're always striving for that to be a little bit lower. And insulin resistance can affect anyone. You don't have to have had diabetes. You don't have to necessarily have had it in your family. Uh, there are two main things that seem to contribute to this insulin resistance. Number one is an excess of body fat, especially around the belly. And number two is a lack of physical activity. We can certainly work on number two right away with increasing our movement and physical activity, even to just walking a certain amount every day and getting in those steps. Uh, if you need to wear a fitness tracker that can, can remind you of how, what you've done in that day and try to you know, slowly be working that up. And just for perspective on how common insulin resistance is, there's about, um, 84 million adults in the United States that are pre-diabetic. So that's about one out of every three adults in the United States are on their way to diabetes. And the problem with this and why I've created a whole talk on this is because I think it's 100% pivotal, pivotal and important to why you may or may not be experiencing optimal health and optimal weight because everything is rooted in this insulin resistance and our blood sugar levels. It can keep our thyroid in check. It can keep our adrenals in check. It can keep obviously our hearts in check and liver and kidneys and overall body function. So it is so important to double down on insulin resistance and knowing your blood sugar and working on your blood sugar like a job, right? So the development of insulin resistance uh, is, is, is what happens when the body is trying to maintain healthy blood sugar levels. And when this happens, this can result in weight gain. And then that makes the insulin resistance worse. Other things that come are high triglyceride levels, hardening of the arteries, blood pressure problems, like new onset of high blood pressure, hypertension. We're trying to, you know, cut this off at the pass. So I don't want to go too much further. I think we're getting a good um, recap here on insulin resistance. And let's talk about action and things that, that we can do immediately for this. So 
First thing is to consider something like a real-time data tool, like a continuous glucose monitor. There are ways through your insurance company, potentially, depending on um, you know, your policy and your relationship with the primary care doctor. But certainly, if you are overweight at all uh, and concerned or have a family history of diabetes, I would think that would be enough that you could potentially qualify for this real-time data collection with a continuous glucose monitor to see how your body is responding to what you eat and learn what spikes your glucose. I saw that, uh, and this may be different for like overseas, uh, but a lot of these companies are international. I did see that uh, there are international options for a continuous glucose monitor. It would be something I would first ask my primary care doctor or family practice doctor about because it could be something covered by insurance. And if you don't want to do that or you just feel like you want to order one yourself, you can do that also. You can go online. There are um, several different companies where you can even put in your insurance. I'll write out a little cheat sheet with it, but like one company is called Signos, S-I-N-S-I-G-N-O-S. There's another one that is um, quite popular by Abbott. And there's several that are out there now. They're all becoming a little bit um, more heavily used. But this is really going to look at your metabolic health and it's something that you can really be hands-on with. And so you can go on to these websites. You can see if you qualify. You can also just pay outright for a three-month, six-month trial. You literally attach it to your arm. It goes in the shower. It goes in the pool. It goes wherever you go. And you can see real-time how things are affecting, uh, you know, things that you're eating are affecting how your um your metabolism is and, and, you know, the certain crashes. So I'm actually challenging myself to do this um, in the next month because I feel like it's so important to see how food, exercise, sleep, and stress affect my glucose levels. And that making, uh, from what I'm reading from people that have done this that aren't diabetic at all, you know, this is more for health wellness, um, they're seeing that certain foods cause the glucose to spike and they just didn't even realize that that food was doing that. I re remember reading one, one gentleman was saying that like vegetarian tacos had caused him to like go up really high that he never thought, but yet when he ate salmon, it was, it was fine. So I think that this could be really beneficial to not only keep our glow, give us a better idea of how to keep our glucose stable, but to work on weight loss. And uh, especially if that's something that's bothering you, the mid, uh, mid abdominal sort of weight gain that you're feeling that you can't get rid of and to help prevent that from increasing and also encourage you to do, um, you know, weight loss. There's a lot of science behind these monitors. They were originally and still are, of course, designed and used for these type one diabetics that really need to know. I mean, I know for us doing this, this is more of a nice to know, but when you're a type one diabetic, it's imperative for you to know what is going on with your blood sugar and you can keep yourself from a crisis um, 
you know, by having these kind of continuous glucose monitors. But of course, the uh, different researchers and people in longevity and in diabetes health have found that there's no reason why we can't be doing this on healthy non-diabetic people to keep them from ending up in this diabetic um, state. So one last thing I want to mention before we, we complete this, but so I'm, I'm challenging you, number one, for the physical, of course, and making sure you're getting your annual blood work done. And if you'd like to reach out to me about certain testing that I like to ask um, practitioners to add to your routine exams, many of these things, like I say, if you're if you do have health insurance, they're covered really well. If you don't have good health insurance for lab work, I don't have good health insurance for lab work but I pay about two to $300 as self-pay and get like all the things that I need when it comes to cardiovascular health. But if you have an insurance plan, you should be good to go on getting some of these specialized tests without having to, you know, put out the few hundred dollars that, um, that maybe I did. So let's talk a little bit about a breathable device. So let's say, um, you know, blood sugar sounds good to you, but you're not really sure if you want to go that route yet. You're not sure about doing the, um, the tracking with the continuous glucose monitor. There is a, a breathing device where you, you know, literally put it in the palm of your hand. It does metabolic tracking. It is connected to the, your phone. It does real time tracking on, uh, you know, gives you like workout optimizations. It's called the Lumen, L-U-M-E-N. And the Lumen has been, um, it has been pretty popular with like leaders uh, in functional medicine, like Dr. Mark Hyman. He says that uh, one of the best things he loves about the Lumen device is that it tells him how to adjust his nutrition based on what his body actually needs. It, it allows you to switch back and forth between fat and, and you know, carbohydrate uh, needs in the body and helps with like natural weight loss, um, less snacking, energy and mood boosting, overall designed for overall improved health and then enhanced weight maintenance. And what they do is they, uh, you know, with these, it's, you know, what's really cool about technology is that we are getting all these amazing things that can help us just dive into better and better health as we age long gone are the days of you're getting older deal with it just take medications no one you know there are all these wonderful things to age well age with uh, more energy feel better than you even did 10 years ago and and so something like this Lumen is an option. When I was kind of quickly reading it over, it looks like it's around the device is given to you for free, but then it's like a $300 a year type of investment. It may or may not be something you want to look at further, but I would encourage you to take a look at the Lumen, but then look at the continuous glucose monitor. See if it's something that you can pick up through uh, possibly even your insurance and, or, um, you know, primary care doctor access and let's meet back and see number one, if you can report back, like, have you already done your annual, annual blood tests? Is there any, uh, values that you're concerned about? You could shoot me a private message about that. Um, are there other specialized testing you should be thinking of? I'm happy to help you with that. 
Two, if you look at the continuous glucose monitors, go ahead and do a two-week trial. It would be amazing if in August, we, uh, while I'm doing mine, you could be doing yours. If you're in for getting that going in August, that would be fantastic. And then three, if you want to take a look at the Lumen, this is not something that is supported by insurance, but I'm sure that there, if you have a health savings account, I'm sure there could be like a reimbursement to yourself for it. That's what I'm kind of thinking of doing with it. And I feel like 300 for the full year might be a good idea, although they did have a lesser plan of, I think it was 250 US dollars for six months or something. But, you know, I always think sometimes you need to try things a little bit longer to really get the benefit. So I hope that you found this uh, more of an action class based learning like a better um, option. I would love to hear your feedback on this. And if you're liking, um, you know, this kind of new audio option, and then if you can pop in the group and let me know or shoot me a private message, I'd really appreciate it. Okay, take care. And I'll see you in just a few weeks. We'll be coming in a lot earlier in August for the action class for that month. And that will be um, kind of dovetailing on our metabolism. You know, I know that a lot of the, the concerns that I've heard from uh, group members is uh, this increased abdominal weight and uh, trying to offload that and you know, maybe getting the gut health under control has really helped that, but it still feels like that may be hanging on. So I really want to work on this, uh, if you will, pear shape, apple shape, uh, female body state that we don't want to be in and that isn't our destiny. So um, let's uh, keep the dialogue going and have a great, great week. Mm -hmm.